You're listening to Draft Chat. Episode 6. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Draft Shaft Podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, Ben. How you doing, Ben? I am doing pretty well, and you know what? Instead of like getting into anything else, I think we should get right into the reason we're all here. Our Zendikar Rising preview cards. Okay, that's all right. right. Why are you Wizards doing this to me? <laughs> granted us not one, not two, not three, not four, but five preview cards. <sighs> yeah, that's right. We're going to start off with my personal favorite, Forest. Can you believe they're reprinting? Oh my gosh, you're doing lands. Oh my gosh. You know, I was let's really, really wondering the... where you're going with this. Um... Let's move on to the second one. It's not the best card, but, you know, I Why think. Why do people... I feel like you're going to say Island? <laughs> Fans will still be pretty happy to see it. That's right. We've got Island. Oh my pretty gosh. good for triggering landfall. It can tap for counter spells. <laughs> all right i think i think i've i've worn this bit out i was really curious where you were going with that because i was like how on earth do you expect people to believe we got a we got preview cards in the first place b we got preview <laughs> cards this early and well i mean like i was and i was and we don't have anything that show notes for that bit so i was really really curious where that was going oh i would never spoil that in the show notes yeah Absolutely i not. i expect nothing less um, well, I, I mean, there's like 15 different sets being previewed right now, so it, I know, it's, it's hard, to, hard know. to keep track. <laughs> yeah, and somehow none of them have fetch lands, which is yet you know, double masters yet. hasn't finished being spoiled yet. So, uh, didn't they confirm it's not in this? I, yeah, I, don't I think remember. I think that, I think you're right. Speaking of I confirmations well, of things that aren't in sets, no yeah. Eldrazi in, in Zendikar. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I'm okay with this. Uh, I like Zendikar as kind of just an adventure theme plane. Yeah, it should be pretty sweet. I'm curious if they're going to bring the Bucket Island back. Oh, but they've they've got to. Yeah, it's like a contractual obligation at this point, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, before we go ahead and get into the main topic for this episode, uh, we just want to plug the Patreon and the Discord real quick. Uh, you can check both of those out. Um, Patreon is at patreon.com slash draftchaffpod. And the Discord uh, link is is in our Twitter um, profile description. So you can go ahead and check that out there, um, at draftchaffpod on Twitter. So, uh, Ben, I've got a pretty... Well, it's kind of the gross pick, pack one, pick one. Um, <laughs> I'll read through... Gross, eh? A little bit. Um, I'll read through the cards here, and uh, we can see what what you would take okay so first up we have rat colony this is one in a black for a two one creature rat at common rat colony gets plus one plus oh for each other uh rat you control and a deck can have any number of cards named rat colony not a super relevant piece of text for this format well i mean we should talk about this format this is dominaria oh that's true yeah i guess i didn't mention that uh this this pack is dominaria as you should know from the the episode title, the whole episode's going to be on Dominaria Draft. Uh, it's coming back to Arena, so we're pretty excited about that. And this pack one pick one is Dominaria Draft as well. Yeah, right. So Dominaria is such a sweet format. I'm excited to get back into it. And it's got some 
you know, as we like to focus on in this show, some sweet commons and uncommons to deal with. For sure. That colony, uh, not one of them. Not particularly. Um, next up, we have Vidalian Arcanist. Um, this was just reprinted in M21. I'm not going to cover it too hard mm-hmm. here. Not nearly as good in this set as it is in M21. Agreed. Uh, and it's not fantastic in either. Yeah, for sure. Next up is Grow from the Ashes. Two and a green for a sorcery at common with Kicker 2. Um, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. If this spell was kicked, instead search your library for two basic land cards, put them both onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. Uh, yeah, it's a fine, a fine card. card. I don't want to pack one, pick one this, but uh, no, of course it's still not. pretty good. Although, I'm going to just go ahead and spoil a little bit here. We're probably going to be saying that about most of the cards in this pack. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Next up is Gitu Journey Mage. Two and a red for a 3-2 human wizard creature at common. When Gitu Journey Mage enters the battlefield, if you control another wizard, Gitu Journey Mage deals two damage to each opponent. Next up is oh, yeah. Mesa. That, that's that's oh, probably my good. first pick so far. Uh, yeah, I, that, that's, I'm I, on that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up is Mesa Unicorn. Two and a white, two, two, lifelink. I'm uh, sorry, one and a white, two, two, lifelink. Um, mm-hmm. Basic, pretty basic creature. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Journey Mage over that. Journey same. Mage fits into the best... Well, one of the best decks in the format, blue-red wizards. It's a great common for that deck. Yeah, it's also pretty good in white-red, um, mm-hmm. and can be played in black-red. It's not like an all-star there, but it's easy enough to pick up a couple of wizards that it's not just a vanilla three, th- like three mana three two. Yeah. Um, next up is rampaging cyclops, three and a red for a four four cyclops creature at common. Rampaging cyclops gets plus two plus zero oh, as long as two or more creatures are blocking it. Isn't that minus two minus o? Oh, it is. It is. Yes. Just remember. No, you're right. You're right. Minus two minus o. Yeah, I, I actually kind of like this one. Um, red has a lot of good removal in this format and a bunch of ways to buy it back. So if you're able to shock down your opponent's creatures so that they're never able to block with more than one, eh, yeah, then it's pretty good. It's format of four four. But against anyone with creatures, this isn't really going to do what you want it to. Yeah, I mean, at its core, it's a four mana four four with downside. It's just, I mean, it's not like the best thing in the world ever. Hmm. Uh, next up is Frenzied Rage, which is one in red for an aura enchantment. Um, when enchanted creature gets plus two plus one and has menace. Next. Yep. <laughs> next is Invoke the Divine. Two and a white. Uh. <laughs> yeah, already. Um, next. <laughs> basically, yeah. It's a... Yeah, two and a white instant destroy target artifact or enchantment. You gain four life. Next, we have another aura, Arcane Flight, which is just blue for uh an enchantment aura at common that says enchanted creature gets plus one plus one and has flying sweet when you can put it on a cold water snapper oh yeah and for sure occasionally in on, on a, some of the smaller wizards but it's not a pack one pick one or anything yeah next up is artificer's assistant this is blue for a one one flyer um, when, and it also says whenever you cast a historic spell, scry one. And we'll get into historic a bit more for those who aren't familiar with the mechanic. Uh, but mm-hmm. essentially, it's just uh, a specific subcategory of cards. Um, so it's a fine card, and it fits into the Blue White Flyers deck, uh, which has a small historic sub theme as well. But again, not a first pick. So that's all the commons. And we didn't open a single good removal spell or anything like that. Um, of which this set has quite a few. Yeah, there's a lot of powerful removal at common. I'm kind of on the journey mage. 
so far, I agree with you. I think it has the highest ceiling here and also is just more open than a lot of the other cards so far. Yeah. Um, actually, and I think it... Yeah, I, I would go so far as to say it also has the highest floor as well. I think it's just all around the best common in the pack. Yeah, I think the only other things you could consider would be Grow from the Ashes or... You know, I guess if you pack one, pick one a rat colony, and then <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna go all in on the rat colony thing, go for it. I guess <laughs> it, this might be the draft to do it. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's get into the uncommons here. Do you want to read those off for us? Yeah, let's see here. So first, we have Tiana Ship's Caretaker. That's three red, white for a three-three flying first strike, and whenever an aura or equipment. Oh yeah, it's aura or equipment. You control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield. You may return that under its owner's control at the beginning of the next down step. Uh, it returns to the hand, but yeah. Oh, hand. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Um, it, d- decent. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, it is a dual color card, which is kind of awkward, and it's not the best. I mean, it is a signpost uncommon for for the color pair, but it's not the <laughs> best color pair to be not- in. Yeah, red white is not really where you want to be. And there's not that many great artifacts or enchantments in this either. Plus, there's also not a lot of ways to get them into the graveyard. Besides when you have your creatures die with auras on them, which uh, I wouldn't recommend that being your game plan. Right, it kind of wants you to put a couple of bad cards in your deck just to make this card slightly better. Like, <laughs> if my opponent, <laughs> my opponent sits down across from me and tells me, my game plan is to put auras onto creatures and let you kill them for for slight value uh all right yeah right it's you're 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 pretty happy about that um it, now next up uh oh go ahead yeah sure i'll move on uh, so next up we've got Elfame druid one of the green for a zero two it's an elf druid and you can tap to add green or tap to add green green to spend only on kicked spells what does that mean when you like kick the card as you cast it right yeah you just punt it at your opponent Oh, great. Um, I love punting at my opponents. <laughs> yeah, that is something that uh, I've heard you are want to do from time to time. Um, for those who don't know, Kicker is a, a... I don't know if it's evergreen at this point. Is it, is it consider, It's not considered evergreen right now. I don't think so, no. Yeah, well, anyway, it's, it's an extra ability. Um, there's some amount of mana attached to it, and basically if you spend that extra amount of mana to cast the spell, you get some extra effect. Mm-hmm. This is probably my pick right now, I think. I think Druid's solid. It fits into pretty much every green deck in the format. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you don't care about kicking spells or you don't have a ton of kicker spells to cast, you're going to, like, just by the nature of this set, uh, you're going to have probably one or two, almost always. Um, and otherwise, yeah. it's Atlanta War Elves that's a little bit more expensive. Yeah, you're going to be playing five and six drops in the green decks. And if you can pick up something like a, a Bayloth Gorger, then, you know, this is perfect with that. Sure. The last uncommon is Sentinel of the Pearl Trident. So it's a 3-3 Merfolk Soldier with Flash, and when it enters the battlefield, you can exile target historic permanent you control. If you do, return it to the battlefield under its owner's control at the beginning of the next end step. So this can blink historic stuff, stuff like artifacts, legendaries, sagas? Yes, those are the three. Uh, artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. This card looked better than it was, it's fine, but uh, it, it's really undersized. So you need to be uh, getting a pretty great ETB trigger rebought with this for it to be worth it. Maybe blinking something like uh, 
something with a, an ETB that kills a creature. Is there something like that in this set? I don't even know if there is. Mm. I don't think there's any like flame tongue or no, you know, <laughs> that type of effect. Not really. Not that I can think of. Yeah. So th this is not great. I'm notably well, you can blink sagas, which I think is where this is really going to shine. Mm -hmm. um, you can yeah. blink a, a saga that has one more um, stage left or one more chapter left, and you know you get two more, two more or three more turns with it or whatever. Yeah, I guess all the sagas in this set are uh, three chapters, but and uh, our rare is a uh, clifftop retreat. This is a reprint. We've seen this before. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's basically, it's one of the stronger sets of duels that we've seen, in my opinion. Yeah. Coming in untapped, if you've got one of the specific two land types, is solid. Like I play a, the odd, you know, one of this type of cycle in my modern decks. Are they're great in commander too? Yeah, I think if this was any other land in the cycle, I'd probably take that here, given the how crappy the rest of this pack is. But I'm not huge on red white, and I'm not really looking to. Well, I suppose I could splash either red or white, but you're not really looking to splash white too often. It's mm -hmm. probably one of the worst colors in this format. Um, red's pretty decent, but I don't know. I, I guess I'm on Elfheim Druid here. Yeah, I think I'm also on Elfheim Druid, although I wouldn't fault anyone for taking Sentinel, the Pearl Trident, and uh, I definitely wouldn't fault anyone for taking Rat Colony and trying to live the dream. <laughs> yep. All right, so that brings us to our next segment, Teferi and Tibble. Sweet. So what's your, what's your Teferi's and Tibbles, your highs and lows this week? Yeah, so mine was, I actually am just coming back from a really awesome, much-needed vacation. Uh, I took all of last week off and uh, was up in Maine with my wife, and um, we had a great time. Sweet. Where in Maine? Uh, we stayed in Augusta, which is, I guess, the capital. I didn't realize that until we got there, but <laughs> my geography uh, needs uh... a little work. I have completely forgotten all relevant geography, but I, I think that's probably the capital. Yeah, sure. Is that near the coast? Um, It's not terribly far from the coast, but it's not super close. Although the cabin we were staying in was on a lake, so I guess you could say it was near the coast, yeah. See, my follow-up was going to be, did you get like seafood, like lobster and whatnot? Because oh, that's course. the best part about Maine. Yeah, of course. Actually, and we we did some fishing on the lake, so we were able to we caught uh, oh lake lobsters. Yeah. Nope, 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 no lobster, <laughs> but we did catch largemouth bass, and they were delicious. Sweet. Oh, that's a good time. Yeah, it was really fun. The Tibalt, though, uh, the kind of the flip side of this is I didn't draft a single card during vacation, so you know. That Whoa, was... a week off from drafting. I know. Tell me about it, man. Do you do you remember how to like hold cards and flick them? If I, if I well, that's if I a, that's a different cards. That's a different problem altogether, right? We haven't played in paper in forever. That's true. You know what? I've been thinking about trying to get one of those webcam setups that a lot of people have been getting into. Yeah, where you have like one webcam on your face, one facing down on a playmat. I might try to look into that. It's an idea. Yeah. If any of our viewers want to play us in Commander, <laughs> we're not doing much. We're down. We are also going to have to play test our cube eventually. Ooh, that's when, right. When the draft half cube becomes a realization. You know, that's actually something that we're also looking forward to community feedback on. We got, uh, who is, hold on. Could you pull up on Twitter? Who is the person that, um, that responded to us about, uh, what was it? It's the artificer combo. It's the one with, um, it was a renowned weaponsmith, I think renowned weaponsmith. And, uh, is it 
Vial of Dragonfire? Yep, that, that was it. And Heart Piercer Bow? That if I remember. It. it was um, Yeah, that's a great idea. It was Aleatory? I I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but yeah, Aleatory on Twitter. Well, to whoever they are, thank you much, Lee. Uh, I, I look forward to putting that in. And I was thinking, wouldn't blue white artifacts be sweet? That's usually red blue gets it, but blue white, I think, could have something to do with that. Blue white would be cool there. Um, but also, I mean, we kind of wanted to have an uh, an equipment sub theme for for red white, so I feel like there might be too many artifacts floating around if we do two artifact heavy archetypes. Uh, that's true. Mm, as long as we can put bone salt in in some way i just want bone salt in the draft trap cube also i'm very excited for double masters because so far we've been seeing i mean by the time this episode comes out i think most of the spoilers will be up we've been seeing all the rares and mythics being spoiled and there's basically an entire set worth of them right yeah what are the commons going to be they're going to have to reprint like every playable common ever this set is going to have so much chaff just like a yeah. ridiculous amount of draft chaff. I'm very excited to pick up cheap commons that are, at least I hope, playable in some formats or other. Yeah, well, I mean, if they're chaff, you know, they're not going to be playable. But we'll put them in the cube, so. Yep. <laughs> All right, That's so right. what were your Tibbles and Teferis? Right, so I was playing a bit of Vintage Cube before it went offline, uh, which for us it does tomorrow, but this comes out in the future, so Ben of the Past will have been playing it until Ben of the Future is unable to. So I'm getting a little looper on this, but uh, anyway. I was playing some Vintage Cube, and uh, I had a pretty big punt for my, my Tibble. I had a decent like mono green deck. Uh, with the usual ramp nonsense. I was playing a Whisperwood Elemental, which is one of my favorite pet cards. I've loved Whisperwood ever since it was printed. It was one of the first Mythics that I owned. Uh, I remember watching it in the Pro Tour, like, fascinated, like, whoa, this thing is amazing, and it got me hooked in the game. And my opponent control magicked my Whisperwood, and I forgot to sack it. Oof. So, <laughs> didn't go well for me from that point. I was just kind of out of it. And, uh, my Teferi of the week was I later got to pack one, pick one, a Black Lotus. And usually with that, I, I just enjoy playing with Lotus. It's so much fun. Usually with that, I want to go into some kind of broken artifact blue deck of some sort. But it was not open. I didn't, I didn't see a single blue card. So instead, I drafted Jund with Black Lotus. Hmm. Uh, I picked up like Mind Twist and Vivian and Chandra, so... I got to turn two of Vivian. That was pretty cool. Um, Sounds like you're living your dream over there. Oh, I am, yeah. It, it was a good time. Uh, I got to play one round with it. I did pretty well, but um, my opponent had uh, a Mind Slaver lock in like, every artifact mana source available. But whatever, we're done talking with this nonsense format. Let's talk about Dominaria. <laughs> yeah, so this is our Dominaria format rewind episode. We're kind of taking the same... Um, breakdown of episode style as our format breakdowns for the beginning of new formats uh, but dominaria is coming back to mtg arena so we're going to cover all the main archetypes uh, we'll cover the signposts on commons and the top 10 common uncommons in each color pair um, and then we'll talk about some other different um, things about the format such as the format speed whether it's a prince or pauper type format um which archetypes we've had the most fun with, and especially since this is not a new set, uh, we can actually talk about that to hmm. a bit more of a degree uh, than than brand new sets we haven't had the chance to to actually draft yet. So tell yeah, me, so tell me a bit about Dominary, Ben. 
Sure. So just a just a, a forewarning, I guess. We're going to talk about this as if it's new, uh, just to kind of review. Because some of our listeners probably are new to the game and probably never did draft a Dominaria. And some of them might be coming back and Dominaria was two whole years ago, so just need a good refresher. So we're going to treat this as if we're just analyzing it for the first time, which we're not. We can also toss in our you know usual recommendations and things. And you know sometimes they'll actually be right, because we did play with this set a lot. So Dominaria yeah. is... So I'm going to go gonna, gonna, like, sidebar that quickly as well to say that most of the drafting I did with this format was against bots, and it was a very different format against bots than I think it's going to be with actual people so mm, that's true i did a good amount in paper with this format and also a lot against the arena bots but yeah this will be in in paper so or sorry in uh against people online presumably right right <laughs> so this format is one of the all-timers it is kind of a slower attritiony format uh more so than most at least so stuff like big flyers card advantage sagas uh these incremental slow grindy mid-range threats they really end up winning the day which i am a big fan of so you've got legendary creatures running around everywhere the uncommons are legends the mythics are legends the rares are all legends everything is a legend that was one of the main themes of this set and that leads to some flashy gameplay and really really interesting interactions so there's also a lot of powerful recursion that helps you bring back these, you know, busted threats. So you've got stuff like Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, and uh, like Joda, Archmage, Eternal. Well, I wouldn't recommend playing that one, you know. But <laughs> a little bit hard uh, to pull off. Raf Capuchin, Tatiova, Benthic Druid. These are like commander, modern, sometimes even further back playable cards. And there's a lot of them. So one of the best, like... You know, one of the best ideas for any format is how are you going to win? Like, what's your plan to win the game? So in this format specifically, it often is card advantage or going over the top somehow. Something like Daragaz Reincarnated, that'll usually win the game when it hits the board. Uh, or somehow using Joyra Weatherlight Captain to draw a million cards or... Grand Warlord Rada to ramp into a huge threat earlier than usual, or Slimefoot to sack a bunch of sapperlings and go off draining your opponent. All this and more is possible. Yeah, and you really hit the nail on the head there, Ben. Uh, you really need a plan to win. This is not like M21. You're not just drafting the most aggressive deck you can and jamming your creatures into the red zone. Um, mm -hmm. You can, if you get it together. The, the blue-red wizards deck can kind of do that. Um, Blue white flyers sort of can, but to to a much lesser extent. Um, yeah, and so so it, it can happen, but in general, like Ben said, you're gonna want to be uh, prioritizing these mid range kind of grindy decks and hoping to basically outgrind your opponent. Yeah, this is not the format for one mana one threes and such. In this format, you're looking to go big and do stupid stuff. One of my favorite cards in the set is a uh, Rona, Disciple of Gix. It's able to like loop uh, different historic cards from your graveyard. You can loop this and you know get back a saga that gets back Rona that gets back something else, and oh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, so much fun. And if you're really lucky, you can live the dream of the Teshar Rona combo with uh, Mox Amber and the Diligent Excavator. I think is what it's called, Diligent. Yeah, this and sounds the blue one that mills things. Yeah, yeah, that's it, I think. 
yeah uh this you can you can get some real brain. shenanigans it's it's lovely and it was a standard deck for a little while but it actually is if you're lucky enough it you can put it together in limited as well um so let's start off by breaking down the archetypes uh this is what we usually do with a new format we're going to talk about the signpost uncommons for each one and then talk about the the deck that kind of surrounds it so uh our first one here well, we're actually going to do the same orders we did last time. White, red, uh, aggro, equipment, flyers, recursion. I don't know. White, red. White, red kind of doesn't know what it wants to do. No, it feel. didn't. It was not one of the best color pairs. I was never very happy to wind up in white, red. Like we mentioned with Tiana Ship's Caretaker, the 3 3 angel that can recur auras and equipment. In a lot of sets, Sticking auras and equipment on creatures and hoping for the best when your opponent is, you know, got a handful of solid removal spells, not always a great game plan. Especially in this format where you need some kind of recursive engine or game plan to go into the late game. If you put, like, I don't know, an aura on your 2 2 and they kill it, and then you've got a handful of other 2 2s while your opponents are slamming 4 4s and 6 6s and things with ridiculous ETB effects. Yeah, you're going to lose. That's it. Uh, that being said, as with any set, white-red can still be pretty aggressive. And there are some decent white aggro cards. Something like Danitha Capuchin, the, uh, the legendary 2-2 two, two for 3 with First Strike Vigilance and Lifelink that Aura's and Equipment cast, sorry, cost one less to cast on her. So, I mean, that's solid. You can definitely smack in with Danitha Capuchin. Yeah, that's uh, true. And there's kind of like a small knight theme in this set too, especially in white and black. So you've got stuff like Call the Cavalry, which makes two, two, two white creatures for just three and a green, or three and a white. So you know that's a, a nice way to clog up the board. And Pegasus Courser is a great way to fly over the top. This is a pretty common trope in these sets where it's two and a white for a one three flyer, and when it attacks, another creature gets flying. And you've got your usual red stuff: uh, Skizix, Shivan Fire, Frenzied Rage. These these things can find a home in this deck, like Frenzy's Rage is an aura. I also wanted to mention that the auras deck can sometimes come together if you open the key uncommons for it. Valduk Keeper of Flame, which makes a 3-1 for each aura and equipment on it, uh, and then they stick around for the combat step and then get exiled. Champion of the Flame, which is a 2-mana 1-1 trample that gets plus 2, plus 2 for each aura and equipment on it. You could live the dream, but... There's decent unconditional removal in black, which is one of the strongest colors in the set. So it doesn't usually go too well. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning, not only do a lot of the colors, black and especially, have really good at removal, their removal is really good and it's at common. A lot mm -hmm. of the removal in this format is at common and it's really efficient. Um, yeah. You mentioned Shiv and Fire already. That's one of, one of the more solid ones in this set. Um, and... So when you're when you're equipping up with auras, or I suppose attaching auras to your creatures, um, yeah, be ready for a bit of a blowout. Definitely, <laughs> definitely focus. Yep. A lot of these cards too. It's worth mentioning. Um, focus on auras and equipments. I would lean heavier on that equipment side of things if you're going for this type of archetype. Mm -hmm, for sure, stuff like eviscerate will just blow you out here. Or uh, different ways to. Uh, bounce the creature, there's blink of an eye, there's other stuff like that. Also, you could spend a whole bunch of time like dumping all your mana and cards into it and then I don't know, just have it bounced or tapped down or have something like a uh, a deep freeze put on it. 
this is a fine strategy, but this is not the format for aggression. Agreed. Well, that brings us to green-white. Um, green-white in Dominaria is one of the more effective go-wide type decks that we've seen in the last few formats. Um, so let's take a look at, at green-white. Um, the signpost uncommon here is Shana Sisse's Legacy. It's green-white for a 0-0 legendary creature human warrior at uncommon, obviously. And 0-0? Hold on. Yeah, that that, just die when it comes in. That should send off a, a few red flags. Um, but she has some interesting effects here. So Shauna Sisei's Legacy can't be the target of abilities your opponents control. So not quite Hexproof, not quite Shroud, but it, she can't be targeted by abilities your opponents control. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets plus one, plus one for each creature you control, and that counts her as well. So by default, she's a two-mana one-one that can't be targeted by your opponent's abilities. Not too many abilities that can target her in their set. There's a few, I think, but, you know. Yeah, you really just want to take that that second part and realize, like, oh, I need a bunch of creatures. And when they eventually have an ability that targets your Sisse, or, sorry, targets your Shauna, you're going to be like, oh, you can't do that. And then you <laughs> gotcha. know, you'll notice that text, yeah. But mostly you just want to go wide. So... To do that, we have a few pretty solid commons and uncommons, uh, one of which Yavimaya Sapherd. It's a 2-2 creature fungus at common. Uh, Costs 2 and a green for... um, Yeah, a 2-2, and it creates a 1-1 green sapperling as it enters the battlefield. Yeah, I love cards like this. Stuff like a a 2-2 body stapled together with a 1-1 body for 3. Sometimes it has flying, sometimes one of them like get sacrificed that you know this is a pretty common trope and in this set it was great yavimaya sapper is one of the top green commons if not the best and uh, it you know provides two bodies for shanna and other different green things that care about going wide for sure uh we also have cards like sapperling migration which is one in a green for a sorcery that says create two one one green sapperling creature tokens and it has kicker four and if it was kicked you create four of those tokens instead so this is a great way to, and this is at common again, so you can pick up quite a few of these um, and you can really build your board out with a couple of those. Yeah. Multiple creatures for, uh, you know, one, one card, one spell. And then different ways to pump them to kind of get paid off for going wide. Song of Fraley's, which is just a broken magic card. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> your stuff all for the first, so hold on, let me back up. It's a saga. For the first two chapters, notably these chapters happen at the beginning of your first uh, pre-combat main phase. So after you draw a card, uh, you have your you know die or whatever, in this case mostly online, it's going to be happening. And it ticks up one. So whatever happens on that thing happens. So for the first two, your creatures gain tap, add one mana of any color. So they become Birds of Paradise. And then in the third chapter, they all get a 1-1 counter. They all gain Vigilance, Trample, and Indestructible. So you just get the free attack. That that part's worth mentioning because they they don't get those permanently, but the counter sticks around. Yeah. So what I love about that is you just get a free attack. Like when Song of Fairly sits chapter three, you just hit attack all and then just, you know, lean back in your chair and watch what your opponent can do. Yep. Yeah. And if you can, if you can uh, turbo out a handful of creatures, you know, through the means of like Llanowar Elves, 
or things of that nature, sapperling migration, you have this big board of two twos or three threes or whatever that are just attacking for free and your opponent can't really do much apart from chump block or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they'll have a few profitable blocks, but it, it can be messy. Yeah, even then you're not losing any creatures, so. Right, yeah, it's just completely free for you. Um, in white, we have cards like Call the Cavalry, which we mentioned before, that makes two 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 white knights. Um, we have Sergeant at Arms, which is a three mana two three with kicker three. Uh, that says when Sergeant at Arms enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, you create two one one white soldier creature tokens. Yeah, um, so, so it's a little below rate for both costs. Three mana two three meh. Uh, six mana two three and two one ones meh. But the flexibility kind of makes it worth an include. Right. Um, anything else that we want to specifically mention about this green-white, go-wide, go, green-white, go-wide deck? It's basically play green, play white, and get as many creatures on the board as you can. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, I think something like Gideon's Approach is best in this type of deck, where usually, you know, in attacking decks... They don't love this kind of effect where it deals damage to the attacking or blocking creature. This is one of the way it deals four damage to target attacking or blocking creature. But when you've gone so wide and your opponent is going to be blocking your 1-1 tokens or your 2-2s two that you don't really care about, it makes Gideon's Approach a lot better when you can somehow maybe trade up a 2-2 two two that you don't really care about anymore and this card for, say, a 6-6. Six six. Yeah, it's a great way to stay ahead on mana as well. Um, and in a lot of cases, you might technically be two for oneing yourself but if you're chumping or if they're chumping a token uh you're really just one for oneing so uh Gideon's approach does have a, a solid home here i think mm-hmm. and of course you can still up. go big because you're going to yeah. uh you're going to be pumping out a lot of creatures but you can also go tall with cards like bailoth gorger um to just kind of round out your curve a bit yeah for sure curving like a pegasus courser into a bailoth gorger that's a fast clock for sure. So next up here, uh, we've got Red Black, which again, doesn't really have a great theme. I'm going to call it aggro good stuff with some light sacrifice themes, I guess. Something like that. The signpost uncommon is Garna the Blood Flame. Three black red. She has Flash. She's a human warrior and is a 3-3. When Garna enters the battlefield, return to your hand all creature cards in your graveyard that were put there from anywhere this turn. Other creatures you control have haste. So the joke of this card is you leave five mana up, you like attack your whole board into their whole board, everything trades off, and then you flash her in on their turn or your turn or whenever the combat step happened, then you get all that stuff back. Then you're able to redeploy quickly because they all come down with haste. Five mana for a 3-3. Not super exciting in this format. This card was a little bit worse than it looked and it never really worked out you know, the best possible way. Especially because oftentimes, the trades didn't really work out. There's some decent pump spells in this format. Some stuff has indestructible or hexproof or uh, is just big. There's four fours and five fives all over the place. So if you're trying to curve out and then trade all your stuff off, sometimes the trades just don't really line up. Sometimes your stuff all just gets eaten and then you spent a whole bunch of turns and mana and time trying to set this up and then you don't really get paid off for it in any way yeah i think it's pretty important to notice that little distinction there if you're not actually making trades garna does next to nothing she just sets if you're attacking into a board that you can't trade into uh she is a five mana card so if you're playing her on five or six 
you know, you're losing your board, you play Garna, and all those cards go to your hand, not the battlefield. So now you have a handful of creatures that you can't cast for the next two or three turns, basically, before you can deploy all of them. Mm. This is a five mana three three flash that will on average draw you one to two creatures. But it's right. super conditional. I mean, I'm taking any removal spell over this. So speaking of which, those are some of the best cards in black and red because you know this you know, this set has a ton of good common removal, and black and red are two of the best removal colors. So we've got Eviscerate, destroy target creature for four mana. Perfect. At common. Easy. Convenient. It does it all. It's sorcery speed, but still great. Uh, you've got stuff like the Eldest Reborn, which is a very strong uncommon saga from this set. Uh, chapter one is each opponent sacks a creature or planeswalker. Chapter two is each opponent discards a card. And chapter three is you get to reanimate something. Yeah, notably, yeah. It, it hits creatures and, or planeswalkers, and it hits both graveyards. So no matter, as long as you've made it to turn basically eight at that point or seven, I suppose, uh, you are going to be reanimating something. It's either your best creature your, or your opponent's best creature. And, you know, you're, you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. And making them sacrifice stuff and discard stuff. Usually by those turns, the only things left in their hand are like five and six drops. So getting something like that back is great. Other good cards we've got in red and black, just kind of value stuff. Knight of Malice, a two mana two two first strike with hexproof from white. And it gets plus one plus oh as long as the player controls a white permanent. You know, obviously a little better in black white, but it's still a two mana two two first strike. Thalad Omnivore is three and a black for a three three. You can pay one, sacrifice another creature. Thalad Omnivore gets plus two plus two until end of turn. And if a sapperling was sacrificed this way, you gain two life. Yeah, this, this innocuous. <laughs> yeah, this this four mana three three with this weird sack pump ability. This is one of the best commons in the set. Agreed. It harkens back to Nantuko Husk um, from the mm -hmm. days of yore, and. Uh, it's, it's just extremely solid. There's so many cards that generate sapperlings too that you're frequently sacrificing sapperlings to this guy. Oh yeah, I've won races with this card. Sometimes Absolutely. that gain two is super important. And also, it's impossible to block. You attack with all your mana up and like two or three other creatures, they just have to take it. And eventually they won't be able to take it anymore. They'll have to start putting stuff in front of it. And of course, you can just trade your two twos for their three threes, whatever they're sacrificing to you know keep this thing back. Last yeah. but not least for black here, I put Yargle. <laughs> because, uh, Big old frog spirit. A funny card. Four and a black for a 9-3. Frog spirit legend. That's it. Yeah, it, <laughs> it kind of seems like a joke, but it actually does perform in this format. Yeah, because you have a lot of things that end up caring about legends. And uh, when combined with a lot of good removal, if your opponent has an empty board and they've been like messing around with ramping or artifacts or something this thing has nine power like it dies to anything and trades with most things definitely side this out against certain opponents but i have i've played a yargle or two in my day yeah i mean it's not the worst card in this set and it, it does it does perform actually i think it did better than it was expected to when the set was fresh yeah it did some of the red cards that go well in black uh Kelden raider Two red red for a four three. It's warrior, human. When it enters the battlefield, you can discard a card if you do draw a card. So something that happens with black red sometimes is it might struggle with card advantage. This lets you start filtering your later draws if you're starting the flood or if you need to 
you know, hit your fifth land, drops to cast, oh, I don't know, Yargle or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it also kind of goes pretty well with removal. It is a little bit more aggressively slanted, and this thing hits hard, so you're going to back it up with something like Fight with Fire, 3 mana, deal 5, or Kick it to deal 10. Wizard's Lightning, the uh, 3 mana instant that costs 2 less if you control Wizard to deal 3 to any target, or Shivan Fire, the 1 red to deal 2 to any target, or sorry, 2 to target creature, and then you can kick it for 4 to deal 4 instead. So all, all these great removal spells kind of they can they can combine all their powers to form something better than the the sum of their parts, but this is still not one of the better archetypes in the set. Yeah, it's very removal heavy as we've mentioned, and honestly, that's kind of what it has going for it. Um, there aren't mm-hmm. too many like massive bombs. I mean, you can play like bells and lock or uh, some of the big bomb rares because there are quite a few of those in this format. Uh, yeah, but in the common uncommon slots, there aren't a ton of payoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely more a princey format where, you know, this is actually one of the things I love about this set over something like, say, I don't know, M21. I'm excited to open packs of Dominaria. Yeah. Like, you never know what kind of legend, because first of all, every pack is guaranteed to have a legend in it. So yeah. you never know what you're going to get. Like, there's nothing more fun than starting a draft with, say, a Moldroth of the Gravetide or uh halar fireflesher or even an uncommon like a uh, like raf capuchin ship's mage these are fun build arounds and because you know they're legends they've had a little bit more effort put into them than say i don't know ruined halo or something <laughs> like that i i'm just not excited to open m21 like i am dominaria yeah plus i mean you have sagas which at the time when the set came out were brand new with with dominaria but they're also just one of the more interesting card types in in magic like in the history of the game Um, oh yeah they're they're so cool right and um so you have those um there's just a lot going on and the flavor in the set's really great as well so Mm -hmm. it's definitely a lot more fun than than m21 for sure one note in black red uh be careful you don't wind up just with all removal I remember I had a deck like that that I remember distinctly because it was kind of a stress test on how many removal spells can I stick in a deck. I had every single common removal spell and uncommon removal spell in these colors you can imagine, but my creature base just wasn't there. Uh, I think I was probably doing like a like 13 creature-ish, 10 removal spell curve, and it just did not get there. It was bad. So something important in this set, make sure you're able to affect the board significantly. Yeah, I think that's also just like a, a, a nice little tip for anybody who hasn't really thought about it before. Um, I, I would say 9.9 times out of 10, your opponents have more threats than you have answers. And even if you're stacking your deck with, as Ben said, every common uncommon removal you can get your hands on, your opponent's still going to have more threats. And if you're never putting a creature down, you're probably not winning. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. so definitely try to balance that out and again red black doesn't have a ton of um bombs so be diligent about picking those up when you can what are you talking about it's got kazarov sengir pureblood seven mana four four flyer <laughs> this is actually one of the more disappointing bombs in the set yeah well but that anyway. brings us to blue red wizards um, oh finally a good deck yeah and Arguably one of the better decks. Like this is this yeah, is, this is top one of the best three. decks in the format. Um, so the signpost in common here is Adelie's the Cinder Wind. 
one blue i love this card (laughs) it's one blue red for a 2-2 legendary creature human wizard at uncommon it has flying it has haste and whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell wizards you control get plus one plus one until end of turn so basically i mean if 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 any signpost uncommon ever has this is telling you exactly what blue red is doing here and i i do like that they kept um the instant sorcery sub theme that blue red seems to pretty much always have but they also twisted it so it's not just instants and sorceries like there's something more specific going on here uh, which is just a nice little refreshing taste on on blue red as an archetype you know how many times i died on turn like five to this i expect so very frequently. Many. yeah so many yeah something like uh turn two wizard turn three adelies turn four wizard turn five like opt shiv and fire opt you're dead yeah well plus i mean you know if you are really getting there you're playing like gitu lava runner on one and then mm-hmm. some other wizard yeah. on two adelies on three and then four and five you're just dumping so- instants and sorceries out and they just get massive really fast yeah it's scary and this also doesn't really count like any other pump abilities that some of the other ones have or like prowess type effects so right. or, or even pumping other creatures so say if you pumped a wizard with a pump spell and that's an instant well then it's going to get pumped even more right so let's let's break down some of the top commons on commons we mentioned a few already um in blue we have wizard's retort that's one blue blue uh, and it costs one less to cast if you control a wizard and counter target <laughs> yeah. spell don't don't joke this always cast this always costs blue blue right uh, it's same with wizard's lightning yeah same, same with wizard's lightning and this deck that's bolt and that's counterspell yep uh we have tolarian scholar which is a two three for two and a blue that's it sounds kind of like a joke but it's a wizard and as we said earlier though this deck does have the ability to be aggressive and kill early mid-range decks are everywhere and having a nice two three creature on the board while you're trying to build up your wizards is is always good to have yeah, this turns on all your wizard synergy. A great curve is Telerian Scholar into Academy Journey Mage, which is four and a blue for a three-two. When it enters the battlefield, return a creature an opponent controls to its owner's hand, but it costs one less to cast if you have a wizard. So you go three drop scholar, four drop journey mage, mana war away one of your opponent's creatures, and get in with your two three. Yeah. It's that's just great. Um we have uh, Merfolk Trickster, which is blue-blue for a 2-2 with Flash. Notably, it's a Merfolk Wizard. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, you tap target creature and opponent controls. It loses all abilities until end of turn. So this is great to get around. Say there's your opponent drops a pesky flyer and it shuts off your Adelie's attack. Well, now you can attack with Adelie's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually really like Merfolk Trickster. You can do some really fun shenanigans with this. Something like uh, an opponent attacking with the 2-2 first strike. And you have, like, I don't know, a, a 2-1 or something, or something that wasn't originally going to be able to trade with it. Now, you trades. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. It also um, can can trade itself, right? So, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they have that 2-2 with first strike, and you just play this, block with this. Yeah, it's great. Uh, one of the better tempo cards, I think, that's ever been printed, honestly. Speaking of tempo cards, blink of an eye. <laughs> This is a this is a card. So it's one of the blue instant kicker, one of the blue. So you return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, and if it was kicked, draw a card. 
this is like a two mana bounce spell or four mana cryptic command. Yeah, basically. It's an easier to cast <laughs> cryptic command. Yeah. It, yes, this is cryptic command. <laughs> anyway. All right, mic drop and episode over. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, Blink of an Eye is, is a really solid card. It's one of the better quote-unquote removal spells in blue. Um, and giving you that card draw is pretty massive in a lot of matchups. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on to red. In red, we have a, a number of pretty solid wizards. We have Gitu Lava Runner, as I mentioned, the one mana, one two human wizard. As long as there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Gitu Lava Runner gets plus one plus zero oh, and has haste. Um, so if you're playing it on one, you're obviously not getting that haste effect. Um, but you know, a one mana two two later on in the game is solid, and a one mana two two that's attacking the turn you play is even better. Um, going along with the Lava Runner, we have a Gitu Journey Mage. Um, that's a 3-2 for 2 and a red, human wizard, at common, and when it enters the battlefield, you if you control another wizard, Gitu Journey Mage deals 2 damage to each opponent. Um, so this is another way to like burn your opponents down pretty quick. Um, it doesn't it doesn't trigger when other wizards enter the battlefield, it's only a one-time trigger, but uh, you know, it's an extra 2 damage for free. So Yeah, good stuff. The, these wizards all just synergize so well together. Yeah, you really are trying to focus on um, critical mass of wizards, I feel, uh, with this deck. You you need some support, like your wizard's retorts or your wizard's lightnings or your blink of an eye or whatever, but you just want to pick up every wizard you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. That's probably enough about wizards. I think we made the point. <laughs> yeah, there's really not... Like, the deck kind of builds itself. Pick up the wizards, pick up the small support, and you're good to go. Yep. Next, we've got one of my favorite archetypes. Not this is probably like the fourth best ish between third and fourth. Black white knights life gain stuff. <laughs> it's kind of a mid range deck, but uh, Arvad the Cursed is our signpost uncommon. This is three white and black for a three three legendary vampire knight. It has death touch and lifelink, and other legendary creatures you control get plus two plus two. This card's fun. Like, I love this. Yeah, it's pretty pretty sweet. So this is where Yargle really <laughs> finds a good home. And other random legends that you can pick up and just slot into here. Perfect in this deck. Stuff like Quende, Pride of Femereth, uh, the 4-mana 2-2 two, two double strike, and creatures with first strike you control have double strike. Other little, you know, random legendary payoffs, like On Sarah's Wings, which is a just broken card in Limited. It, it's so good. You know, Baneslayer Angel? Have well, now anything, now anything can be a Baneslayer Angel if it tries hard enough. On Sarah's Wings is three and a white for an aura. Enchanted creature becomes legendary, gets plus one, plus one, and gets flying vigilance and lifelink. Just impossible to race. You have to kill whatever they put it on. But it becomes legendary. So then yeah, that you know what's great? That stuff. Mm-hmm. Putting On Sarah's Wings onto a Cold Snapper. <laughs> that it's is just disgusting. it's just amazing <laughs> oh man uh next we've got benelish honor guard this is a two mana two two it gets plus one plus oh for each legendary creature you control now in like red white or something this isn't going to be great most of the time but historic really focuses in the esper colors so black white and blue and i found that sometimes in this deck benelish honor guard can get up to like a five two 
just incidentally from just playing your cards out. Two mana five two is great, especially when you're backing it up with like Black's removal suite. Now this yeah. also has a Knights sub theme. So I mentioned Knight of Malice before. Well, you got the inverse card from that Knight of Grace, another two mana two two first strike hexproof from Black, and it gets one zero as long as you control a Black permanent. Yeah, and obviously you're running both in this deck, um, Knight of Malice and Knight of Grace. But Mm -hmm. um, I think one thing that's worth bringing up here is if you're new to this format, if you've never played Dominaria before, you're going to look at a lot of these cards and be like, other legendary creatures, well, what, I'm going to run maybe one legendary creature if I'm lucky? Mm -hmm. No, not really. Uh, There are a ton of legendary creatures at Uncommon. Um, All the signpost Uncommons are legendary. Um there are a handful of, of other legendary creatures that aren't the signposts, but are all in at uncommon, you know? So it's, it's relatively easy to pick up quite a few of them um, and just jam them in your decks. Plus who doesn't love legendary creatures? You can stick these in your commander decks. Sometimes they have applicability in other older formats. Plus this is just fun. Who wants to be casting like, I don't know, goblin wizardry or whatever when you could be playing like arvad the cursed come on I, all right i'll stop dunking on i'm, him I'm raising my hand right now by the way <laughs> come on goblin wizardry is nonsense you know what's better than that a better four mana instant dark bargain this might be familiar to those that played a choreo this is three in a black look at the top three cards of your library you put two into your hand and the other in the graveyard and it deals two damage to you this format is slow enough where this can be a pretty good way to refill your hand in some of the more aggressively leaning decks, something like black, white, or red, black. And uh, finally, some more towards the, like the finisher side of the spectrum, Windgrace Acolyte. This is four and a black for a 3-2 flying. When it ETBs, you put the top three cards of your library in your graveyard and gain three life. You know, you can go over the top, you know, with flyers and things like that. Black-white is this kind of grindy mid-range value plan where you can start reanimating creatures and getting them back through all sorts of stuff. And uh, there's also there's a, there's a regrowth in this format, Soul Salvage. Mm-hmm. Uh, two and a black, you return up to two target creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Another way to kind of grind out the late game. Trade off your uh, Quende or Pegasus Courser or Arvad the Cursed and then just bring it right back. I'm a big fan of this deck personally. And like I said, I think it's probably in the top half of, of decks in the format. Yeah, it's up there and it, it has one of the better sort of mid-range plans that a lot of the decks do in this in this uh, format. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, chip down at your opponent with a lot of these incidental damage effects. You also just have relatively solid creatures that can just chip in um, and you're, you're going to be grinding out. Okay, that brings us to red-green. Uh, in this format, red-green's kind of the kicker archetype. Um, it's a little cool, bit... Ag- cool. it's, it's aggressive leaning, but you're going to be seeing uh, the majority of the kicker cards in red-green. So Ooh, I want to do some kicking. Yeah, actually, this, ar- this archetype's pretty sweet. So our signpost in common is Hellar the Fire Fletcher. It's one red-green for a 3-3 legendary creature, Elf Archer at Uncommon. It has Trample. And whenever you cast a spell, if that spell was kicked, put a 1-1 counter on Halar. Then Halar deals damage equal to the number of plus one plus one plus one, plus one counters on it to each opponent. Halar's sweet. Yeah, it is. Um, 
doesn't take too much to really get this going. At at worst, it's a three mana three three with trample. Mm-hmm. You're already above yeah. eight there. <laughs> like that's great on its own. Yeah, and if you cast even one kicked spell, it's a four four that deals one to the opponent, and it just gets better from there. So, yeah. Um, also, you're you're dealing with a lot of extra kickers and some pretty solid removal has kicker on it. So um, you're looking at things like fight with fire, shiv and fire, uh, lots of fire going around. <laughs> um, you have goblin barrage, which is three in a red sorcery at uncommon with kicker, sack and artifact or goblin. Goblin barrage deals four damage to target creature, and if the spell was kicked, it also deals four damage to target player or planeswalker. That's mm-hmm. eight damage for four mana and some some goblin or something. Yeah, you got to do a little bit of work. Maybe toss an equipment or two into your deck, and there's not that many goblins incidentally in the set. But this still is four mana for four damage, and sometimes even more than that. Yeah, it's pretty solid, and notably, it's a kicked uh, kicker card. So any of the kicker synergies you're getting there too. Um, mm-hmm. Naturally, Elfame Druid, uh, our pick from the pack one pick one earlier, is just going to be right at home in this deck it's uh one and a green for an o2 tap add green or tap add green green and spend this man only to cast kick spells mm-hmm. yep this is perfect like you go turn two elfheim druid turn three bayloth gorger the two green green for a four four this kicker four and if it's kicked you put three counters on it so i mean if you have this in the early game you can like i said turn three four four if you have this in the late game well, turn five-ish, maybe turn five or six-ish, seven-seven, that's pretty good too. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think what is the fastest. I guess if you went like um, Llanowar Elves into Elfheim Druid into another Elf or um, the Envoy that lets you play extra lands. Oh, you yeah, could, or you, you can get grow a Bailoth, from the Ashes. Or grow from the Ashes. You can get a Baleth Gorger out on turn four, kicked without Ooh. terrible oh, yeah. difficulty all right hear me out turn one lanor elves turn two grow from the ashes which comes in untapped play another lanor elves so then turn three you've got three lands no turn three you've got four lands and two elves well I, this doesn't matter <laughs> yeah no there's a lot of shenanigans you can do with these kicker effects and the mm-hmm. the dorks that are in the in the format you also have pretty yeah. solid uh, creatures apart from the Baloth Gorger um, in the form of Untamed Kavu, which is one and a green for a 2-2 with Vigilance and Trample. Already, that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. You don't really care about Trample on a 2-2, but, you know, it's, it's not a <laughs> He's not got big dreams. Yeah, well, he has Kicker 3, and if he's kicked, he enters the battlefield with three 1-1 counters on him. So at that point, he's a 5-mana five 5-5 five with Vigilance and Trample, and that's just great. Yeah, what I love about this this archetype in particular is that it's really good at smoothing out your draws incidentally. So let's say you had an opening hand of like three lands and three untamed Kavu and something else, some other removal spell. Untamed Kavu, if it was just a 2-2 and didn't have kicker, you'd be like, well, this is you know, this is a fine hand, but I'm going to get overrun if my opponent plays a 3-3. This thing instead serves as both a 2-drop and a 5-drop. So you're able to say, play your first Untamed Kavu on turn two, and then play other stuff, and then on turn five, you can drop another Untamed Kavu. Everything just kind of shifts to fit the role that it needs to play. So Gitu Chronicler, for example, the one in the red for 1-3 with Kicker returns an instant or sorcery. Mm-hmm. If you're, say, getting beaten down by a team of 1-1s, 
you can just cast it as a two mana one three, and it'll be great. Or you can use it later in the game to buy back something like a Shivan Fire, which is also great. Yeah, it's it kind of has this a similar effect to to um, cycling in in formats that run cycling. Yeah, for where sure. Where it helps smooth your curve out, but this happens kind of on the opposite end, where cycling kind of lets you use up expensive creatures early on. Kicker lets you get extra value out of cards later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love Kicker as a format, uh, like archetype. And this is a a solid one in this format, too. It's, again, probably in the middle stages of of best decks in the the limited format. Agreed. And I I really just appreciate that they allowed the signpost uncommon to really feed off the kicker mechanic as well. Uh, Yeah, for sure. It's really awesome. So our next archetype has a little less direction, but it's just as good. We got blue-green. I'm calling it Value Town. It's not Sounds really landfall right. so much, but uh, it is value. So our signpost uncommon is Tatiova Benthic Druid. One of my favorite cards ever printed in Magic. I love yeah, Oh yeah, This is a like commander staple, which should tell you something about its power level. Tatiova is a 3 green-blue for a 3-3 three, three Merfolk Druid. So under-costed, it better have a good effect. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control, you gain a life and draw a card. Goodbye, flooding. <laughs> Yikes. This is strong. Exactly. So let's say you're top decking in the late game. You keep drawing your lands and you just draw your lands and you're like, whatever, I'm going to lose. Now all those lands draw you another card. And even if it's a land, who cares? Because that's going to draw you another card. So yeah, there's they're gaining you life. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's buying you time to use these cards too. Yeah, you pair Tetsuo that with is, um, the Land of War Scout. It's one and a mm, green yeah. for a one three that taps, and you put a land from your hand on the battlefield. Boom! You just draw. You just mm-hmm. drew two extra cards this turn. <laughs> yeah, Land of War Scout's usually not the best thing in the world. It kind of has the same problem as you know our friend Arboreal Grazer. For those <laughs> that know it, you eventually run out of lands in hand for something like a Land of War Scout. It's not as good as say a two mana one through the taps for mana. But, right, but when those lands are drawing you cards, it kind mm-hmm. of works itself out of that. Uh, issue. Yeah, Tatiovia is a uh, is one of the signposts that I'm totally comfortable first picking in this set. It's also you know five drop, easy to cast. You can splash this if you really wanted to and save like a, a red green deck. Yeah, there's but, nothing you need to do to build around this card. If you're playing mm-hmm. lands in your deck, Tatiova is going to do work. Yeah, and this doesn't really point too strongly in the direction that this deck wants to go. But uh, if you take a hint. Hitting land drops and drawing cards is kind of what blue-green has always been good at. So stuff like Llanowar Elves, the kicker cards like Untamed Kavu and Grow from the Ashes, stuff to go up the ground like Yavimaya Sap Herd. Just any good green cards that affect the board. And then you have time to deploy stuff in blue, stuff like Divination. So this is a good test for a format, whether or not Divination is playable. And in this case, it is. It's amazing. Uh, you have time to cast Divination in this set. Maybe not against Wizards all the time, but if you were to, say, take turn 3 off an M21 to try to cast Divination, and your opponent has, like, two anointed choristers and they're holding a Badger's Acolyte in hand, you're dead, you know? Right. Yeah, this is this is a format where you, you can definitely take time off to draw cards. Um, there's a 5-mana card called Weight of Memory that... that draws you a bunch of cards as well that's totally playable mm-hmm. here um you have opt in this format as well um you have a number of counter spells like um syncopate 
and um, the name's escaping me, but the wizard. Wizard's one. retort too. Retort, yeah. yeah. That. Um, so you know there are a few reactive things you can do. You've got time to draw cards. You've got time to play your lands to draw more cards. The one thing this this deck seems to lack quite a bit though is a closer. Um, it it mm-hmm. likes to cycle through the deck, but it doesn't really know what it's looking for in most cases. I find. Unless you happen to pick up one of the really awesome green or blue bombs. Yeah, this deck does go really well with, you know, any kind of big, huge green rare that you can just slam in the end. Something like a Multani or... I mean, Multani is maybe the best card in the set. So, you know, that goes <laughs> yeah. without saying. But um, any of the giant trees, uh, there's there's a few of them. Thorn Elemental is a great one. Uh, a kicked Baloth Gorger will do it sometimes. What's that? There's... Um, there's one that makes tokens too. I forget what that one's called. We only focus on chaff here. Rares don't interest <laughs> us quite as much. Hey, some um, some rares. Burden Force. That's it. Yeah, Burden Force. Force. Yeah, or uh, like a Grun, the Lonely King. Not the best finisher, but you know. Grun. I've done work with Grun though. He can, he can he can kick it with the best of them. <laughs> no no pun intended. Oh, oh man. Actually, I don't even I know. If Grun I, I has thought I was kicker. on pun duty. <laughs> I don't even know if Grun has kicker to be honest with you. He does. He does. If you kick him, he has five extra counters on him. Oh yeah, that's right. I totally Speaking knew that of, and meant to make that pun, one hundred percent. Yikes! Speaking of kicked fatties, uh, the real Slim Voda, <laughs> Slim Voda, the Rising Deep. Slim Voda. That card is an uncommon. It doesn't yeah, s- it's, like it's, it's just so weird. Card. That's another thing about this format. It's so weird to hear like named cards like Tatiova Benthic mm-hmm. Druid. You're like, that's a mythic. Yeah. No, no, it's just an uncommon. Like, I don't know, named, something about named cards in Magic just make you think they're a higher rarity than they are. Well, here's our, our chaff spotlight of the week. Slin Voda. <laughs> oh, yeah. The real Slin Shady. This thing is, is stupid. It's basically upheaval, you know. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know, Slin Voda, the Rising Deep, is a six... Uh, sorry, it's six blue-blue for an 8-8 eight eight with kicker one and a blue. So you yeah. can pay either eight mana for an 8-8 eight eight with an effect... <laughs> Or um, what ten mana for an eight eight that has a better effect. So when, when Slinvoda, the Rising Deep, enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, return all creatures to their owners' hands except for Merfolk, Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents. <laughs> it's so what dumb. A weird card. It just it doesn't like, have any form of evasion at all. Yeah, th- there's like two Merfolk in the set, I think, and like that's it. <laughs> Yeah, you've got, like, the Arcanist and um, Merfolk Trickster. Yeah. I, I mean, I have lost to this card before, but, you know, I, I mean, think it's Blue might be its best home. Yeah, probably. I don't think you're running it in any other blue deck. None of the other blue decks really want to get big like that. Yeah, I don't think they can. Right. Speaking of other blue decks, I think that segues us nicely to Blue-White Skies. Yeah. Um, ben, you've mentioned the signpost on common a few times here, but in this case, we have Raf Capuchin, Ship's Mage. It's two white blue for a 3 3 human wizard at uncommon with flash, flying, and you may cast historic spells as though they had flash. So, just a, a quick refresher historic spells are artifacts, legendaries, and sagas. This um, card's great. I love Raf. He's pretty, he's pretty solid. Um, you know, he's allowing you to cast all these different things with Flash, which are great. Um, you can really get people with some of the sagas. Uh, there are so many legendaries running around that you can get them with with those as well. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty solid. Also, notably, it's legendaries of any kind. So, Planeswalkers, 
legendary enchantments, legendary creatures, legendary artifacts. Although artifacts all already fall into historic, but any type of legendary you can cast Ooh. a flash with. This. Is, is it time to get out the soapbox and talk about legendary sorceries? Do it. All right, climb it up right now. So legendary sorceries for those that have not played with them, something like Urza's Ruinous Blast, Karn's Temporal Sundering, these big flashy mythic. Not that they're rares actually. Rare legendary sorceries. You can only put them on the stack and only cast them if you control a legendary creature or planeswalker. So something like an uncommon Wrath Capuchin would work. However, if you do not have a legend, you cannot cast them. These are a lot worse than they look like in Limited. And they look stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, they look really powerful. They look insane, yeah. But when you can't cast them and they rot in your hand, it doesn't do anything. Once your opponent knows about them, they're just going to target all of your legends. Uh, sometimes you won't even draw your legends. That being said, if you're able to first pick something like Yawgmoth's Vile Offering, I think is the best for limited. Agreed. If you can first pick that and draft around it, the Esper colors are the ones with, I think, the, the highest quality of uh, legends that you can put in your deck and then attempt to get to trigger. If you can resolve a Yawgmoth's Vile Offering, you'll just win the game. Same with like Karn's Temporal Sundering and Urza's Ruinous Blast is good too. Jai's Emulating Inferno, I've never really seen do much and I've never even tried Kamal's Druidic Vow. That doesn't do anything. But be very careful with these. Know that uh, there will be times when you are just unable to cast them and side them out or in depending on your opponent's removal suite. All yeah, right. they're also... Soapbox well, down. Real fast, they're also a little confusing... Oh, <laughs> They're also a little confusing because a lot of the cards in this in this set um, talk about legendaries, plural, like I was just mentioning with Wrath Capuchin, mm -hmm. um, meaning any type of legendary card. The yeah. legendary sorceries can only be cast if you have a creature or planeswalker that is legendary. They don't, they're, you cannot cast them if you have a legendary enchantment only or a legendary artifact. You need a creature mm -hmm. or a planeswalker. Yep. Right. I will say, uh, in defense of Wrath Capuchin, comboing with these instant speed urza's ruinous blast is awesome okay yeah they are legendary I, instance I, with raf capuchin i have done that before in limited and it is it's it's so cool anyway yeah i mean this is the deck to do it right this is the historic deck mm -hmm. yeah this is probably the one where you can do it the most effectively so what are we running in this deck apart from all the legendaries well, I guess we should probably run some normal stuff, too. Pegasus Corsair, again, goes really well in this deck, getting some of your stuff to fly over the top. I like Dauntless Bodyguard, uh, one white for a 2-1 human knight. And when it comes in, actually, as it enters the battlefield, so your opponent doesn't get to respond to it or anything, you pick a creature, and then you can sack the bodyguard to give the creature indestructible to on a turn. Sweet effect. Selfless savior, anybody? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We also have the age-old classic Sarah Angel in this format. Uh, three white-white for a 4-4 four, four Flying Vigilance Angel. Um, just super solid. Uh, I love Sarah Angel. And also, uh, fun fact, the Sarah Angel in this set, I recommend if, if all you listeners out there look it up on your phone real quick. Gorgeous new art done by uh, Donato Giancolo. I actually met him at an art convention. The coolest dude. Oh, wow, that's pretty cool. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, I actually, I didn't know he was going to be there. I was going to see some uh, some artwork being presented by my friends at a different part of the convention. And I walked by and I, I thought I saw like magic looking art. And I went over, I was like, wait a minute, 
<laughs> this is this is Sarah Angel. I actually saw his sketches for this artwork. Oh, so that's really, dope. really cool, dude. Yeah. So it wasn't even a magic convention. It was just just an art thing. No, no. This is just some random art thing. If I'd known, I would have totally brought one of these Sarah Angels for him to sign. That's but maybe really next cool. time. All right. So on to blue here, we have. You know, honestly, I had a hard time coming up with blue cards for this deck. Like, there aren't a, there aren't a, like a ton of amazing flyers for this uh, in, in blue, particularly. Um, you have things like Academy Drake, which is a two and a blue for a two-two flying Drake uh, at common with kicker four, just four colorless. Um, if Academy Drake was kicked, it enters battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. So that's a seven mana four-four flyer. I think a mm-hmm. bit underrate, but still a still a playable card. Yeah, um, it's big and it flies. It'll kill you. <laughs> right. Uh, you also have Cloud Reader Sphinx, which is four and a blue for a three-four flying Sphinx at common. And when it enters the battlefield, you scry two. It's a serviceable card. You have yeah, things, I'm a big fan of this one. You have things like Blink of an Eye um, and Artificer's Assistant. But I kind of fell off at that point. Like There aren't a ton of other great blue cards, I feel, for this deck that, that are super synergistic. There are other blue cards. You could play Opt. You could play... Um, Wizards Retort, I suppose. I probably wouldn't put it in this deck, but you could do it. Um, mm-hmm. But also, Short Sword's perfectly serviceable. It's an artifact, so Wrath is going to do its thing with that. Um, it's one of the more playable equipments, I would say. It costs one to equip. It only costs one to play. Um, so, you know, you can suit up your your flyers and really uh, take to the skies with this one. Yeah, I think you want to go into this when you've got some of the better rares or mythics that you, when you open them, something like Mirari Conjecture or Time of Ice, uh, both really good in this deck. Yeah, you're not going to pick up uh, an Academy Drake and be like, all right, I'm in the Skies deck. <laughs> yeah, if you just try to play Blue at Skies, it's fine, but um, there will be people doing more powerful things. That being said, like Sarah Angel is just a great card. So Yeah, I think you really want to capitalize on the historic side of this deck, though, and mm-hmm. use the Flyers to kind of be the the ushers of those legendaries, you know, like you have a target for on Sarah's wings, but on Sarah's wings is what's doing the work. Yeah, sure. So next up, we've got another one of my all time favorites in this format, blue, black, historic graveyard synergy type stuff. So the signpost is Rona disciple of Gix. I mentioned it earlier, but I may as well talk again. It's one blue, black for a two, two human artificer legendary. When Rona enters the battlefield, you can exile target historic card from your graveyard. You can cast non-land cards exiled with Rona. You can pay four, tap, exile the top card of your library. So the play pattern of this is, this is not a three drop usually, not unless you are getting pressured and want to start you know, playing out to the board. Usually you want to use this after you've already you know, traded off or used one of your good historic cards. Something like a an eldest reborn or to a lesser extent like chainer's torment any of these sagas or time of ice things like that or maybe if you traded off one of your rare legends like a josu vess or uh orgaros the empty one this comes in exiles it and then the next turn you get to just recast it and you get all that value back so this draws you one of your better cards in the deck just by casting it and playing it normally then if the game keeps going you can start paying four to exile the top card, and you can cast non-land cards exiled with Rona. So this doesn't even have to be, you know, legendaries or historic cards. If you have just a vanilla three-three that you exile with Rona, you can play it. So you know, it, it's kind of a weird mana sink 
card advantage engine, but you can do some really cool loops with this. Uh, for example, Eldest Reborn to just get Rona back to come in and get Eldest Reborn back. It, it's a sweet archetype. Yeah, for sure. You also have access to a number of other kind of cool cards that don't really have a home in other decks, such as In Bolus's Clutches, which is a four blue blue for an in, uh, legendary enchantment aura. At Uncommon, you control Enchanted Permanent. Enchanted Permanent is legendary. But yeah, control just, magic. Just sweet. But it's a control uh, magic that makes the creature you control synergize with your legendary stuff. Mm-hmm. Super good. I also kind of like Final Parting in this deck. Now, Final Parting is not the best card in the world. It's three black-black for a sorcery. You search a library for two cards. One goes to hand, one goes to graveyard. In a lot of formats, this would be absolutely too slow. For example, this is unplayable in M21. But in this set, where you can, you know, clog the ground a little bit with some decent creatures and your opponent's probably not attacking you that hard, you can tutor for, say, Rona and, I don't know, your Mythic Saga or um, your uh, Bells and Lock or Yogmon's Vile Offering or something like that. Put one into the graveyard and then put Rona into your hand. So you get Rona and a bomb. Bomb goes to graveyard. Rona goes to hand. Next turn, cast Rona. Get the bomb. It's just a little bit of you know small card advantage. But you know I, what I like about this format is compared to M twenty one, where the the synergies are small and you're trying to get this tiny, tiny incremental advantages. This is huge. Like this is this is sweet. This is a great play. Mm-hmm. I also appreciate that that they put this. You may cast non land cards exiled with her effect on a legendary creature because I can mm-hmm. see some real weird rules shenanigans where can you cast legendary sorceries with this? Can you not? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but luckily they, they threw it on a legendary. So you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So also there's some good black historic type synergies with this deck. Uh, Cabal Paladin. It's a four mana four, two a little flimsy, but whenever you cast a historic spell, it deals two damage to each opponent. This thing can realistically hit your opponent for six damage just without attacking which is pretty solid for a 4 power for 4 mana creature. Lingering Phantom, 6 mana for a 5-4. Not a great rate, but whenever you cast a historic spell, you can pay a black. If you do return Lingering Phantom from graveyard to hand. Late game card advantage, that kind of thing is perfect. Uh, I also put Deathbloom Thalad in here because this is one of the better ways to establish a board presence. It's also basically an auto-include in every black deck. Oh, Totally. Definitely one of the, the better black commons. That's probably the best black common creature. That's a uh, you know the removal spells have it beat out, but also Yargle. You know Yargle is a great way to trigger the legendary and historic clauses here. Also, a uh, relic runner finds a home here. That's one in the blue for a two one human rogue. Can't be blocked if you've cast a historic spell this turn. So, for example, you can go turn two relic runner, turn three Rona, and start like getting in for a slightly more aggressive slant. And also something, you know, the usual blue staples like Deep Freeze, the aura that turns something into a 0-4 defender, and Divination. These have a home here just because you're playing this blue-black control-y style anyway. Right. Yeah, this is the other big historic deck um, that you really want to focus on historic synergies, especially if you can pick up the Rona. Um, The deck still functions without Rona. You don't need her, but she boosts the power, like she spikes the power level of the deck pretty hard. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Next up is my personal favorite deck in the format: Green Black Sapperlings, and 
Ben, I love this deck. It's so, so awesome, and it has so many different silly little flavor wins. Um, oh, yeah. Th- this one is sweet. So our signpost on common is Slimefoot the Stowaway. I one, love this guy. He's so awesome. It is so awesome, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> one black green for a 2-3 legendary creature fungus. Whenever a, a sapperling you control dies, Slimefoot the Stowaway deals one damage to each opponent, and you gain one life. And then it has an activated ability of four colorless, create a 1-1 green sapperling creature token. So you're not really looking to spend four mana to make 1-1-1. That's kind of a terrible rate. Yeah. But this deck actually does that relatively frequently. Mm-hmm. It's a great late game mana sink, and you're just chumping those away to drain your opponent, and it lets you survive for a super long time while also actively killing them. Or I suppose passively killing them. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. Also, the artwork is amazing. Oh, yeah. So, All the Thalids. I love the Thalid Sapperling theme that's, you know, running around on Dominaria for the past however many years. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And so what does this deck look like? Well, if the card says Fungus on it, you're running it in this deck. You've got Deathbloom Thalid, which makes Sapperlings and is a fungus itself. Um, you have Thalid Omnivore to eat up a bunch of those sapperlings, Fungal Infection to kill off an early creature uh, from your opponent's side of the board and also make you a sapperling, uh, Thalid Soothsayer, which gives you some card advantage for those sapperlings. You have cards like Fungal Plots, which is a an enchantment, which is one in a green, and it has pay one in a green and exile a creature card from your graveyard. You create a 1-1 green sapperling creature token. So when you lose your Deathbloom Thalid, you can turn it into another 1-1. Um, and then you can sacrifice two sapperlings to gain two life and draw a card. That's also some great card advantage, uh, and it's an enchantment, so you can just keep doing that. As long as you can generate sapperlings, you can keep doing that. Of course, you oh, have... it's total nonsense. I love fungal plots. Oh yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, they're not really great in multiples, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, snatch one while you can and and build around. Um, yeah. Sapperling Migration, of course, is amazing in this deck. You have Spore Swarm, which is three and a green for an instant that says create three one one green sapperling creature tokens. You get the idea. You're you're yeah. making all the all the sapperlings and thalids you can. Um, one of the biggest payoffs in this deck is Spore Crown Thalid, which is one and a green for <laughs> oh, a two yeah. two. So it's a two mana two two. But then it says each other creature you control that's a fungus or a sapperling gets plus one plus one. So it's a fungus lord. Amazing. You you can't get better than that. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, this deck can work really, really well. Um, I've I've literally never had to attack. Like, I've had games where I didn't have to attack with this deck at all. I just <laughs> chump away, let my sapperlings die, make more sapperlings, let them die, and eventually my opponent just dies. Oh, yeah, I totally believe it. That sounds uh, about how that deck can play. And also, it can attack, too. That would Omnivore can be huge. Right, well, that's like... That's like plan A, right? You want to be jamming with an omnivore and having your opponent just take three because it doesn't want to. They don't want to block, or they can't afford to. Um, eventually, they'll have to chump it. But that threat of activation is huge on omnivore, and then eventually they have a way to kill the omnivore. You're just like, fine, I'll let my slime foot sit here, and you can you can attack me or you cannot. And eventually, you have like this board of sapperlings because they won't attack into them, and then you just mm-hmm. sack them away to fungal plots or your om- another omnivore or something of that nature. Yeah. And then if, if you, you get also, two slime foots or more, it's just ridiculous. You also end up with this like aristocrat type feel where if you have like a blood artist out or something, you eventually get to a point where your opponent's at four and you just get to attack with your whole board because either your stuff gets in 
or it dies and kills your opponent anyway on the on the death triggers. Right. Slimefoot does the same exact thing. Yep. Um. And then, like I said, he also is just a mana sink late game. You can even if you don't have anything coming, you're flooding out. Just make some more sapperlings. Yeah, and that'll buy you time and gain you life to get to the next stuff. Yeah. Overall, my favorite form, my favorite deck in the format. It's a lot of fun. Was pretty easy to draft early on with the bots. I'm not expecting to see it too frequently uh, with players because it was one of the better decks in the format. But I'm sure going to try to force it a few times. Yeah, that's right. So, what what effects do you think we'll see from human players with this this format? Well, you don't have the downsides of the bots such that they're passing specific cards all the time. Like you could pretty pretty reasonably pick up Slimefoots with the bots. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thalid, I think the Deathbloom Thalid went around pretty quickly as well, or pretty yeah. frequently. Um, I don't know. I think I think we're gonna see a lot of the weaker decks come come to be more popular because um, the bots aren't passing all the really awesome cards, and you know draft mm-hmm. is self correcting. So as people pick up those really awesome cards, you might be able to put together a really really solid white red deck, for instance. Um, yeah, that's true. Knows? But I'm excited to get back into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very much looking forward to drafting this online. I want to see how the historic stuff kind of balances out. Because sometimes you would just snap up every single legend you'd get past. Bots don't have the same love of legendary cards that humans do, I don't think. So maybe they took it, they would take other correct picks over it. But, you know, when someone sees, I don't know, a Baird Steward of Argive, they're like, whoa, this thing has a cool border. I want to try it out. A lot of people that are slightly more inexperienced at draft will just want to take this stuff to see how it goes. So I think we'll be seeing less historic uh, enablers. Yeah, those decks might be harder to put together. I also expect to see, at least early on, I expect to see a lot of people playing those legendary sorceries not realizing that or maybe i mean i, sh- I suppose i should say i expect to see a lot of people drafting them but not being able to play them. <laughs> not, not casting them right because i think a lot of the newer players who have come along the game in the last few years are going to get tripped up by that that um little catch on those cards mm-hmm. yeah this format is very deep there's a lot of very interesting things you can do and a lot of them are rare based so i, I definitely think this is a prince format agreed it's relatively slower, as we said. Stick to those mid-range control archetypes as best you can, and hope to outgrind your opponent. Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's cover our picks for the top commons in each color. I, we have a few discrepancies here, so maybe we'll cover those. We can we can speed through the um, the things that we agree on, and then we can touch on the few that we disagree on. For sure. Okay. So, so what do we got? In white, we have Blessed Light. It's uh, four and a white for an instant at common. Uh, exile target creature or enchantment it's just relatively unconditional removal and it hits some of the more uh, troublesome cards in the format in the form of sagas and things like that as well as just you know your big uh, creatures that you want to get rid of yeah th- this is just good i think pegasus courser and gideon's reproach are also up there uh davenant trapper and call the cavalry are up there too but this thing is just unconditional removal in a set where your opponent's best card is going to be like a 10 10 the bomb of some sort you're going to want to have a few of these in your deck just to take care of that yeah also white doesn't really get removal like this very frequently um Mm -hmm. so it's nice to see it um in black we have eviscerate uh both of us have eviscerate as a top common in black 
three and a, uh, it's yep. three and a black for a sorcery to short target creature again unconditional removal in this case it's four mana and it's easy to cast um it's not an instant but it's one of the best unremoval uh unconditional removal cards we've seen since like the cons block yeah th- this is my kind of chaff you know th- this is just great it's gonna kill anything it's on curve uh you go two job three job this attack perfect right at in red we have shivan fire uh we've covered that card enough i don't think I, we really need to read it but um, it's shock that can also kill their five drop <laughs> what's not to love yeah basically okay so we have two colors we disagree on that's blue and green do you want to give us your blue your top comment in blue yeah, so I've got Academy Drake. I really like this thing. This is, again, the three mana two-two flyer that can be kicked for four, and it comes in with three counters on it. Or, sorry, two counters on it. So, three mana two-two flyer, good. You'll put it in every blue deck. Seven mana four-four flyer, good in the late game when you want a big flyer. Like, your opponent has to spend something like a Blessed Light or Eviscerate on that, or it's just going to get them in the end. I agree with you. I think it's best at the three mana slot because... Ultimately, sure, they have to spend a Blessed Light or an Eviscerate to deal with your 4-4, maybe. They might just have, like, a Lyra or something. Uh, sure, that's a Mythic, but, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, they it's just a 4-4. Like, there are bigger creatures. There aren't too many bigger Flyers, I'll give you that. But at, at the end of the day, even if they have to spend a Blessed Light or an Eviscerate or something on it, they're still ahead on mana. Mm-hmm. You know, if my opponent's pointing a 4-mana spell at my 7-mana spell, I'm kind of sad about it. Yeah, that's true. Um... So for I me, the, the flexibility of it. That's true. No, and and a three mana two two flyer is super solid, and you're pr- gonna put it in pretty much every blue deck anyway. Yeah. Um, so it, so that with upside in, um, is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great in top decks, and this is why kicker is so good. Like you and your opponent are both empty handed, and you top deck your three mana two two flyer. In most formats, they'd be like, okay, fine. They're probably gonna be able to outrace this still. Well, what if instead it's a four four flyer? Now maybe two or three cards in their deck can deal with it. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely true. Um, I would say it's probably in my top three for blue commons, but mm-hmm. my my top common I have it I have blink of an eye. Uh, it's that's a one in a blue for an instant with kicker one in a blue, and you return target online permanent to its owner's hand. If it was kicked, you draw a card. I just think this is like I mean it's kind of the best removal that blue gets, and it draws you cards. It just does everything I want to be doing. Um, so i, I kind of yeah, like it yeah. better bouncing things drawing cards cryptic commanding i could have i could have guessed this yeah i don't know i think it's a little more efficient and it it does more of what you want to be doing but i can totally see an argument for academy drake well here's the thing let's say you're getting beaten down by my flyers and you blink of an eye my academy drake you know what i'm gonna do you're gonna recast gonna, your academy i'm gonna drake. recast yeah, it, it as a four four <laughs> I get it, I get it. And yeah, Blink of an Eye is not a permanent solution to any problem. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know, it, it, it'll stall, say, your Eldest Reborn from from getting back my Planeswalker for two more turns or something like that. Yeah, uh, it's good. It, change, it deals with more than just creatures. So I don't know. I, I think it's pretty solid. Mm-hmm. How about green? So for green, I have Land of War Elves, one mana, one, one. Tap sad green, you know everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Um, yeah, I can't really argue too much with that. Land of Elves, like I do, love playing another land on turn one. 
but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Avimaya Sapherd. Uh, this thing just does what the green decks want to do best: slows the opponent down. It trades for like other three drops if you want to double block, and it also helps to go wide for the red or the green white deck. And it also just sticks around and makes some sapperlings and funguses for the black green deck. Like I, I'm okay taking Yavimaya Sapherd pretty early. I think I'd rather take one of those like second or third pick than a Landwar Elf. Interesting. Yeah, I, I have Sapherd at second. Uh common for green in this format i just think land War elves helps helps all the kicker decks it's gonna help the green black decks anyway it's gonna help the red green decks because ramping is just something that you want to be doing in this format so i hmm. think if i were given a pack that has land War elves and yavi my sapper it'd say pack one pick one or something and those were i was between the two i'd probably take elves before i take the sapper yeah but i also uh, yeah like I love the the fungus deck, so maybe I would take the Sapphire first. I don't really know. It's probably pretty close. I mean, getting to go big in this format is pretty good. Agreed. Uh, ben, we have a couple of Mythic uncommons here for this format. Do you want to run us through those real quick? Yeah. So I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start talking about some of the the most impactful cards in the set. And one of them, it doesn't really fit into any of these decks specifically, so we haven't mentioned it yet, and that's because it fits into all of them. That's Icy Manipulator. Icy is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, there's literally not a deck in the format that wants to avoid this card. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, every deck is happy. Yeah, every deck is happy to play this. Yeah, so this is four for an artifact, four generic. You pay one, tap it, to tap an artifact, creature, or land. This is, that's this it. is great. Yeah, it's amazing. So tapping down your opponent's artifacts and creatures. Battle, it, this is essentially a removal spell in that way. The real uh, you'll Slim Shady says, ouch. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's pretty bad when you tap out for your 8-drop and then your opponent plays an Icy. And that's the thing, it works with the game too. If your best card at the moment is a 3-mana three 3-3, three, three, Icy will tap that down. Then when you play your 5-5, five five, Icy will just start tapping your 5-5 five five instead. So it's super flexible, it changes with the game, it's pretty much a permanent removal spell for whatever the best thing on your opponent's side is, which is fantastic. Right. And, and as uh, you say, it scales, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. And every once in a while, you'll get to use it for aggression, too. So you can tap something on their end step, untap, tap another creature, swing for lethal. Or it can keep you alive. It's good when, it's be- it's good when you're behind, good when you're ahead. Um, occasionally, your opponent will get mana screwed and you tap down their lands on their upkeep because you're just a bad person. Um, it does it all. Yeah, for sure. Um, so next up, what have we got? Yeah, next up we have On Sarah's Wings. We've talked about it a few times, but it basically turns anything into a baby Baneslayer Angel or maybe even a bigger <laughs> Baneslayer Angel, depending on what you're targeting with this. Yeah. Um, in any case, it's a build-your-own Baneslayer, and it's just remarkable. I mean, in most formats, you tend to shy away from auras because, you know, getting two-for-one sucks, and it's... Uh, generally not worth the risk because you're you're mm-hmm. putting a bigger target on your your creature when you do that. On Sarah's wings is just worth it. It yeah. does so much for one card. It's five mana. It's it's just yeah. It just does the thing. It does everything you want to be doing if you're in white and you should be playing it. Yep, it is great. Uh, finally, I put time of ice. I don't know if this is. I don't know if I call it a truly mythic uncommon, but it is a big groan when you see it come down. It ends more games than I think any other card in the set, uh, just instantly when it's when it's cast. Um, and it's very difficult to beat or play or grind through. So 
when it comes in, uh, first of all, it's a saga, three and a blue. Chapter one and two, tap target creature and opponent controls. It doesn't untap during its controller's unstap step as long as you control time of ice. And then chapter three, return all tap creatures to their owner's hands. So this makes it extremely difficult to attack because then your stuff will get bounced. This synergizes with other tapping things because then that stuff gets bounced. This is a huge tempo swing for just four mana. And getting to rebuy this will almost always win you the game. Right, so basically the play pattern with this is you you play it, you tap down some creature of theirs, uh, the next turn you tap down some other creature of theirs, and then they can attack in between, but at the uh, by by the time it's getting to your third turn, if they attack that turn, they you bounce their board basically. Um, so time of ice bounces anything that's tapped. It doesn't have to be things that time of ice tapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, as Ben is saying, can be brutal. It makes it's kind of like that whole argument with like math is for blockers. Like it just makes you just you just you slam time of ice, and then you're just like, all right, what are you doing, opponent? Because I've got time. And Ugh. you don't like I, I don't know. I'm, I guess they have time I'm too. Time of but, ice, even yeah. perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And you pair that with an icy manipulator, and you're off to the races. <laughs> That's the dream. Uh, there's some other big stuff in this format too, but we'll we'll save this for in a little bit. I've got some other stuff to talk about first. So just some general tips and tricks for this format. Dominaria is a very unique set. Uh, and I think there's some things we should go over before we send off everyone into the fray to just you know, mess around with these ridiculously fun cards. So the first note that I have, last time we played with the old mulligan rule. So the last time we played Dominaria, we had the mulligan rule where you would go to six and then oh, go to true. five and then scry. I don't think this impacts the format that much. It might make any particular two-card combos slightly stronger but i don't think any of them are worth mulliganing into yeah i think it's it it might it might skew the format to be slightly more aggressive but i don't Mm -hmm. think it's gonna do anything drastic yeah it's possible it it makes it so that the average hand quality is just slightly better um i think that's about it maybe it doesn't really it, it might improve the more aggressive stuff like wizards yeah but you know wizards is already pretty good We'll see. I'm interested to see what happens with that. Yeah, next up, um, Esper Historic is kind of where you want to be. As we mentioned, the blue-white deck is and the uh, blue-black deck are the only two decks that Historic really uh, gets paid off for. Um, so naturally, if you put them together, you just have, you know, the world is your oyster. That said, it's kind of hard to splash in this format. You do have the rare lands, which are great, um, and there's an, another cycle of, I think there's a there's a cycle of mono lands at uncommon. I don't think we did. Did we get duels at common in this format? No, we did not. Yeah, so splashing is pretty hard. There aren't really any good rocks either, um, mm-hmm. and a lot of the bigger bombs tend to have double pipped colors. But games do go long, so you know if you find yourself with two really good bombs that you can technically splash one of them, probably don't be too afraid to do so because. Mm-hmm you're gonna you're you're likely gonna get to the the lands you need plus if you're in green you can just stall and ramp and and do all the things you need to do to get to your splash yeah there's skittering surveyor in this set which lets you that's true grab a land or two also ready soapbox time 
This is where we first met Navigator's Compass. Oh, it's true. Yeah. Ooh. All right. This is a this is a card. Not really. It's not a card. So when it enters the battlefield, you gain three life. Just cost one mana. It's an artifact. Until you can tap it. Until end of turn, target land you control becomes a basic land of any type in addition to its other types. Do not play this. It's so bad. Yeah, it's a trap. <laughs> Discarding a card for the occasional fixing it's not worth it at all they, that that's it it's like you mulligan to make one of your lands slightly better nope no thanks bad don't yeah, play it yeah there are a few cards like this um in this format i think uh what the prismatic one is also like this mm. yeah um, th there's other stuff that looks like this sometimes and sometimes those are better because they draw a card if this said draw a card on it it'd be it'd be good maybe even great so you could splash all sorts of nonsense. It doesn't draw you a card. Don't play it. Yeah, yeah. Avoid these weird sort of uh, different di the the quote unquote different mana fixing. It, there are a few cards in the in the format that are like that. Almost none of them are worth it. Just just avoid mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So a lot of the big bombs in this set are kind of your haymakers. So Dracuseth. Uh, Multani, Moldrotha, uh, Lyra Dawnbringer, some of the big sagas uh, like Frexian scriptures, Mending of Dominaria. These are all game-ending threats. And history first, of picking Benalia. one of these, yeah, history of Benalia. These can all end the game very quickly once they're they're put on the stack. So I recommend picking those up when you can and just going nuts with them. This isn't like M twenty one where. You know, you're just going to look for the best common in the pack and take it because it's going to be better than the rare. Build around some of the rares. Uh, if you hit, pick up a History of Benalia, take a bunch of knights, like Call the Cavalry, that kind of thing. Some of these are traps. The first eruption doesn't really do much. Uh, I mean, Antiquities War is a constructed plant. Follow the Thren says destroy all lands, but they all come back, so it doesn't really do much. You're better off sticking with the ones that can win the game. But mess around with them all because they're all kind of fun. Yeah, also, if you pick up a Dracoseth early, keep your eye out for Soul Salvage. There's some, some silly shenanigans that'll let you get a Dracoseth out pretty early if you can pick those up. Mm. Yeah, that, that's good. Uh, oh, let's talk about the cycles. So, sure. we already mentioned the cycles of legendary sorceries. Those, you know, I think we said enough on. Play them when it's very possible that you'll be able to cast them reliably. Otherwise, don't play them at all. Yeah. Next. We have the triple color, triple casting cost pips. I, what do you call these? Yeah, they're, they're monocolor cards that all cost three mana, but they're three of the colored mana in their respective colors. Um, so, for instance, you'll have, you have the blue one is blue, blue, blue. The white one is white, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, all of them are, yeah. are quite good, uh, especially mm -hmm. Tempest Gin, which is the blue one. Um, what is it? It's a, it's a star four, and its power increases for each it's a, it's power equals the number of islands you have i think yeah exactly and uh banalish marshall is mm -hmm. the white one he's a lord and i think a three three and he's just really good yeah even dread shade uh black 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 for a three three you can pay a black and pump it one one yeah and goblin chain whirler people might recognize oh yeah yeah, yeah chain whirler <laughs> same with steel leaf actually that those all I mean, honestly all of these they're all really Dreadshade, good all, all but dreadshade saw like 
pretty good standard play. Yeah, agreed. Dreadshade did have a deck though when the when the five color black deck came out. Oh, like, that's cr- right. Chromatic black. Great. Yeah, chromatic black ran. Yeah. But well, um, um, something about these cards that I think is worth noting. You might look at the casting cost and kind of roll your eyes and think this is never going to be out in the battlefield. But when these games go till turn eight, nine, ten, when that's you know going to be happening every game, it kind of has the same drawback as a uh, what is it? Is it Sarah Avenger? Yes, yes. It it's a one one that that gets becomes like a five five or whatever. Oh no, I think I'm, I'm thinking of the other you one. You can only um, cast it after turn three. Yeah, yeah. It's the it's white white for a three three flying vigilance or something, and it, you have to cast it on turn three or later. So people use vile to put it into play, stuff like that. Think yeah. of this the kind of same way. Um, it appears my wait no there it is my internet is back. Uh, yeah, Sarah Avenger. You can't play it on the first, second, or third turn of the game. This is kind of like that. Uh, and if you stapled any that like that clause to any of these, I think they're still very good. So a steel leaf champion coming down on turn say four or five once you've hit your three forests that's still really good that's a three out of five four or even something like a tempest gin on turn seven or eight this might be a five four flyer for three mana just because it's not happening on turn three doesn't mean that it's not good at that point in the game agreed especially because all of them scale well i guess chain whirler doesn't scale too well but mm. all the other ones scale very well like gin is just going to get bigger the longer it waits yeah. Um, the the marshal's gonna pump more creatures if you have more creatures out. You know, they they all get big. Also, if you're in green, look to pick up the steel leaf champion, like really aggressively because um, it's not on it's not unheard of even if you're not playing mono green to get him out on three. Uh, with the 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 elves and things, the different dorks, you can you can reliably get him out pretty early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then every once in a while, like you said, you will just have this on turn three. Like, imagine Dreadshade turn three. <laughs> like, your yeah, opponent has your opponent to deal with do? that. It's a three. Like, ma- it, th- it's a turn. Well, I guess it's a turn four seven seven. That's terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's and, and it'll it'll work. Um, we talked about the sagas already. Let's talk about some of the the bigger legends. Some of the uh, random little bombs here and there. Stuff like. <laughs> Evra Halcyon Witness. Actually, this kind of ties right into my our next uh, thing, which is combos. So this set is full of really cool combos, S- things that uh, you wouldn't expect to work, but this format is slow enough that you can always you <laughs> make them work. For example, kicking a Josu Vess. You got time for that? It works. That's not really a combo, but anyway, combos. Evra Halcyon Witness. So this is six mana four four life link. You can pay for it to exchange your life total with Evra Halcyon Witness's power. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's wacky. I st- I'm still laughing at it two years later. It- it's so stupid. But yeah, it's like you play this on six, and I guess you you're you're not likely to have twenty life at that point. But what it it becomes a fifteen four, and then you yeah. somehow can you gain life, and then you can swap again and make it even bigger. And then yeah. continue this so, so, swap to ma- make your life total get ridiculously high. Yeah, yeah. The play pattern of this is you have basically one small moment where your life total is four right before it deals damage. And then the moment ever deals damage, now you have like 15 lifelinking power. So then you're back up to a high life total. Uh, this is a combo, but it's 
I guess it's um more of a combo for your opponent. I guess it's more of an interaction. If you can befuddle an Evra Halcyon witness with the trigger on the stack, your opponent's life total goes to zero. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does. So that's just a little a little note. Um also, similarly, you want to find ways to pump Evra, because the bigger it is, the lower chance of that happening. Uh, Shalai works with pretty much everything. That, that's, yep. that's all I had to say on that one. Um, Marwin the Nurturer and uh, some of the green rares aren't the best. You really want to get something like Verdant Force or uh, what's the other, the other big t- tall one? Thorn Elemental. Those are the uh, the big seven drop end the game ones. In green, you have a uh, Gaia's Protector. So this is three and a green for a four two. Must be blocked if able. Not not great. You, you have know. a in green. You have um, territorial territorial Allosaurus, one of my favorite green cards in the format. It's two green green for a five five with kicker two and a green. So baseline, it's a four mana five five. And when mm-hmm. it enters the battlefield, if it was kicked, it fights another creature. You didn't even let me finish my combo. I know. I I'm right. sorry. I just I was looking at these cards and Allosaurus jumped off. I, I, I was just like, oh I man, Allosaurus too. But have you ever dubbed a guy as protector? No, I haven't. I actually almost never played dub, which I probably should try out sometime. Oh yeah, it's actually a lot worse in this format than it is M21. This is the format that made everyone kind of think, oh, dub, not that good. If you dub Gaia's Protector, you got yourself a 6-4 first strike must be blocked to Fable. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. I have lost to this, this little synergy many times. It is very good. Um, some other little things. Red Black has some sacrifice effects. Keldon Overseer, for example. Uh, three mana, three one haste. Or you can kick it for four additional. And when it comes in, you gain control of a creature your opponent controls, untap it, and it gains haste. And then if you've got, you know, somehow a sacrifice outlet laying around after you've already paid seven mana that turn, which can happen, you can steal and sack their creature. Yep. Let me see. Is there anything else? Uh, those are all the main combos that I remember. Some other big bombs. Helm of the Host. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it looks a lot like cards that don't work but this one does so this is four mana for a legendary artifact equipment at the beginning of combat on your turn you make a token that's a copy of the equipped creature except it isn't legendary if the equipped creature is it gains haste and it's equipped five so with this card you want to look for high power three drops maybe even legendary three drops uh or ones that have good etbs or death triggers so the joke is you go three drop Turn four, you play Helm. Turn five, you equip Helm. And then uh, that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. Every turn, you make a copy, and it doesn't get sacrificed on end step. It doesn't exile itself. It doesn't like it, disappear. It's just there. It's there for good, yeah. Um, also worth mentioning, um, if they kill the original target, like the, the creature that Helm the Host is on, you don't lose those tokens. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can always just re-equip Helm and, and keep the chain going. Yeah. Um, you don't have to equip a non-token creature, so, you know, you just just have at it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
I think those are all the uh, the bigger bombs in the set. There's planeswalkers and stuff too. Teferi and Karn. Everyone knows what those do. I think that's a uh, that's about it for this set. It, it's fun. Oh wait, wait one one tiny synergy I forgot. Traxos. Scourge I was of just looking at Traxos. I was I was gonna say Traxos. Traxos, Scourge of Crude, you can get that to work based on his thing. So this is a 4-mana 7-7 Trample. He's a legendary artifact creature. It enters the battlefield tapped and doesn't untap during your untap step. But whenever you cast a historic spell, you untap Traxos. So if you play like a short sword, Traxos untaps, you swing for 7 Trample, and then it stays tapped until you play, I don't know, an Icy or a Joyrus Familiar or something. But if only there was a way to untap it every turn. Wait a minute, Voltaic Servant is in the set. That's two mana for a 1-3. At the beginning of your end step, untap target artifact. There you have it. If you happen to get Traxos, make sure you pick up a few of those little Voltaic Servants. Yeah, it's interesting too because Traxos is just a rare. He's not a mythic or anything, and Voltaic Servant's a common, and nobody Mm -hmm. wants to play them unless you're playing (laughs) Traxos. Or you're trying to do some weird shenanigans with like Thran Temporal Gateway or something. Yeah. Oh, one more, man. You see, I'm just pouring over the spoiler page and it's all flooding back to me. Sorcerer's Wand is a late game kill condition for wizards. So it's a one mana equipment. It has tap to deal one damage to target player or planeswalker. If it's a wizard, it deals two damage to that player or planeswalker instead. And it has equipped three. So a common play pattern with this is on turn, I don't know, 10 with wizards. You'll bounce this between like three or four of your wizards and just tap to deal eight to your opponent. Yeah. It's good. It stuff. helps finish games up. All right. Now I think I've covered everything that I wanted to say about this set. <laughs> yeah. Just, just have fun with it. Like it's, it's a crazy format. It goes super deep and there are going to be so many synergies. Like, like we're going to, I think we only have the format for what, two weeks, one week, something like that. It's like a week or two. It's not going to be long enough, whatever it is. Yeah, there are going to be things you're going to see at the end of the two weeks, and you're going to wish you had more time with this format because it is a riot. Um, mm-hmm. It's just super deep. There's so many combos and so many synergies that you can find that aren't super surface level. Like You have to do some work to find some of them, but they're really cool, and um, yeah, this format's a blast. What are you most looking forward to doing in Return to Dominaria? Saperlings. I, I just want to I just want to spam Sapperlings all over the battlefield and uh, play as many Slimefoots in one deck as I can. <laughs> nice. How about you? I think I'm I'm looking forward to kicking Caligo Skin Witch. <laughs> oh yeah, Skin Witch. I forgot about Skin Witch. That's yeah, a good, I love super Skin solid Witch. card too. I think that was one of the higher black commons you could get your hands on towards the end of the Dominaria life cycle. Oh yeah, 15 skin witches, 15 vicious offerings. That's a deck right there. There you go. And 10 lands. <laughs> Sounds great. Uh, I actually think one of the things I'm most looking forward to is uh, Moldrotha the Gravetide. Moldrotha's I love fun. Moldrotha. Yeah, starting with the Moldrotha and then figuring out how to maximize the number of permanents. She lets you replay permanents of each type from your graveyard. So figuring out how to get lands into my graveyard and then also... Um, like maybe find an artifact. I think Blood Tallow Candle is a, mm-hmm. a removal spell that's also a cheap artifact. Figuring out ways to loop things. and I mean, I'd also be lying if I said I, I wasn't looking forward to... Um, what's that, uh, that stupid black rare? The, uh, the life gain one? Lich's Mastery? I want to play that. Lich's card. Mastery. 
I want to play that card I, so much. I love that card. I had Lich's Mastery in one of my first ever drafts of this format back when, you know, drafts in person were a thing, like legal and safe and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember I had a Lich's Mastery deck with like four Wind Grace Acolytes, which mill oh and gain goodness. life, both of the things that it, it, Lich's Mastery cares about. It was amazing. Yeah, it's I'm I'm gonna have a blast with this. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I'm also looking forward to seeing what our viewers come up with too. So make sure you show us all the cool stuff you come up with in uh in Dominaria. Yeah, I think that's gonna do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. And um, as always, you can pick us up or or co- talk to us, contact us at uh on on Twitter at DraftChaffPod or myself directly at Randy Galfordian. Uh, you can find Ben at Betafish One, and uh, once again, self so, uh, shameless plug. Hit up that Patreon at patreon.com slash draftchaffpod or check out the Twitter account for our Discord server. Um, as always, just uh, keep drafting and uh, let us know how things are going with your Dominary drafts. We're excited. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> All right. I, I don't know if I have time for a sign-off today, so I think we can just end it there unless you have something quick. Are we still recording? Yeah. Is this the sign-off? Sounds like it. So the sign-off is the fact that you don't have time for a sign-off. Seems like it. it. Math checks out. So you're saying we should cut it off soon. Probably. Let's consider what our viewers are going to think of that. I don't know. We've been establishing some pretty good sign-offs recently. I don't know if we can just like change it up and not do a sign-off for once. But I think we should sit down and have a nice two to three hour conversation about the philosophy of the sign off well this episode alone is two hours long so all right i guess we can stop <laughs> <laughs>